Hi everyone and welcome along to the Ergonomically Speaking podcast, the podcast that aims to help you reduce and even eliminate work-related discomfort. I am your host, Neve Pentney of Boyne Ergonomics. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope that you're able to take away some useful practical advice from this podcast to help you reduce your own risk of discomfort at the workplace or help manage the risks among the people that you might be responsible for. So now that we know I'm here, let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome along to episode 17 of the Ergonomically Speaking podcast, where today I'm going to take you out of the office, away from the computer and on the road, because I'm going to be talking to you about discomfort when driving. What are the risks and what can we do to reduce them? This episode is going to be really useful for anybody who spends a lot of time in the car because of your job or just in your day-to-day life. And even this time of year now, if you're heading off on holidays or you're heading off on day trips and you're going to be spending a little bit more time than normal in the car, you should be able to find some useful advice in this episode. So when I'm talking about the risks associated with driving, what am I talking about? Well, we're talking about, firstly, the prolonged static driving position that you hold when you're in the car, either as a passenger or as a driver. You know, it goes without saying, the vehicle is a very confined space. There is no room within a car for getting up and walking around and getting out of that seat. So even when you're not driving, you are sitting in a static position. And as I've covered in a previous episode, the risks associated with static positioning, static sitting, include buildup of waste products in the muscles that can cause stiffness, inflammation and discomfort, along with a restricted intake of nutrients and oxygen. And this is because the muscles are contracted, their intake of blood is less, and also your circulation slows down. So that's going to impact the removal of the lactic acid and the waste products, and it's going to impact how much oxygen and nutrients the muscles receive. And that can result in fatigue and discomfort, stiffness, tightness that we feel with prolonged sitting. The other risk and the other feature of prolonged sitting is, again, a reduced circulation in the legs, which can cause discomfort and numbing and that kind of tingling sensation in the legs and feet. And then we also have, which I think is a really big one, the compression of the discs, especially in the lower back, as I spoke about before previously. When you're sitting, the discs are exposed to pressure from above and below, which compresses them, squeezes them. Remember, discs are little spongy discs in between the vertebrae. If they are compressed for prolonged periods, you increase the risk of wear and tear to those discs, which could cause herniation and bulging and disc injuries and disc degeneration. And then in the car as well, if you're the driver, the other thing we need to consider is discomfort in the neck and the shoulders caused by the static position of the hands on the wheel and the force of you gripping the wheel and holding onto the wheel in this prolonged position can cause discomfort in the shoulders. So that's just static postures, which are a huge risk factor with driving. The other one is poor or adverse driving positions. As we've said, you're quite limited in the interior of a vehicle 
in how you can adjust the seat. The roof height is limited. The amount of adjustment in most car seats is quite limited. So it may not be possible to get into an ideal driving position based on your own stature and the vehicle that you're using. And I will discuss what that is later on. That can cause strain because if our joints are out of what we call a neutral position, so if, for example, with driving, if you think of it, if you have your foot on the pedal, but your knee is elevated higher than your hip, that is going to impact on the lower back more than it would if your knee was the same level as your hip and you didn't have that acute angle at the hip. So poor and adverse driving postures are a problem. And then you also have to contend with the whole body vibration forces coming from the road up through the car into the seat. And that can have an impact on your back. So that's a risk factor that doesn't exist at the DSE workstation generally, in, in majority of them. You don't have whole body vibration forces to contend with. And I'm not just talking about when you're driving down an Irish country road full of potholes. This exists on all roads. It's coming up from the wheels in through the car into the seat. Now, it is reduced because of shock absorbers and, and suspension in the car, but it, it is still a risk factor depending on the vehicle and the time that you spend in it. Okay, so with all these things, with the static postures, with the adverse postures and with whole body vibration, what discomfort can you expect to feel? Or what is it that I hear from my own clients that people are experiencing? And this exists, I should say, whether somebody has a pre-existing condition or not. These are the general discomforts and the risks, injury risks that you have. So you can experience pain in the neck and the back and the shoulders, pain in the hands and the wrists, Cramps and poor circulation in the legs and glutes. Low back pain. And a low back injury either from the prolonged sitting or also entering and exiting the vehicle, which I'll get on to later. And then a long-term risk of disherniation and degeneration. So we are have to be so mindful in the car of how we are positioned and how long we spend in it. And one thing I will say is if you're getting into the car, especially if it's a multi-user car or multi-user van or multi-user vehicle, whatever it may be, before you set off on your journey, take the couple of minutes to readjust yourself. Get the seat back into the position that suits you. Adjust the height of the steering wheel if you have to. And of course, for safety, adjust the mirrors to make sure you can see everything that you need to. But especially important in multi-user vehicles because I have seen it. Um, even doing assessments where people jump into cars that their partner may have used and we go off and we drive and they realize, oh, hang on, this seat's not how I normally have it and this mirror's not how I normally have it. These adjustments should always be done before you take off. Okay, so what can we do to reduce the risk of injury when you're driving? Well, the first thing we can do is look at your driving position. Okay, and this, as I said, should be checked every time you get in the car. Okay, so what we want to do is, firstly, Adjust the seating height and the angle so that the hips and knees are fairly level with each other. Ties are horizontal. When your right foot is on the pedal, I say the right one because it's the one when you've heard the driver, it's the one you can see. Ensure that you have an unobstructed view of the road through the windscreen and your head is not in contact with the roof of the car. So when you are sitting in the car, 
with the hip and knee level with each other when your foot is on the pedal. Your head should not be in contact with the roof of the car and you should be able to see out the windscreen of the car without having to bend yourself down or to flex the neck downward and lean forward. Okay, so this is your safe driving position. You should adjust the seat slide so that when you depress the pedals, your lower back remains in contact with the backrest. And there should be a slight bend in the knee, obviously, when the pedal is depressed. So you shouldn't have to stretch to reach the pedals. The seat itself should not come into contact with the back of your knees. And this is to allow for appropriate blood flow to the legs. You should adjust the backrest angle so that the whole of your back is supported. And a slight recline is fine and it is actually recommended because it just helps to improve the angle at the hip a little bit. You don't have to have a 90 degree bend in the hip and be quite upright and ramrod straight. If that's your comfortable driving position, so be it. Just make sure that you adjust the backrest to meet your back, that you're not leaning forward away from the back of the rest, the backrest of the chair. When you're driving, foot on the pedals, hands on the steering wheel, you should have your back resting against the backrest of the car. So make sure you adjust it that your whole back is supported. If the backrest of the car has lumbar support, adjust this so it sits in your lower back and you can feel it. Adjust the steering wheel position. So it's roughly about 30 centimeters from your chest. It does not come in contact with your knees and it does not obstruct your view of the dashboard instruments. I wouldn't worry too much about the 30 centimeter distance. For the majority of people, foot on the pedal, back against the backrest of the chair, arms on the steering wheel, there's going to be enough space. You don't want to be basically, you don't want to be sitting on top of the steering wheel. Hold the steering wheel at nine and three to reduce shoulder strain. Now, often I hear 10 and two, but actually that's more stress on your shoulders. Nine and three is perfectly safe and it's less stress on the shoulders. Do not grip the steering wheel excessively. You do not need to hold on to the steering wheel for dear life. All you are doing is building up stress and tension in your muscles. Hold it firmly in your hands so that it doesn't slip through your hands when you're trying to turn the wheel, but you don't have to grip it excessively. And what I always say to do is when you're in the traffic lights and you're stopped, handbrake on and take the hands off the steering wheel. Let them relax down on your lap just to take the tension out of the shoulders when you're not moving. Adjust the headrest so it's positioned behind your head when you're looking straight ahead. The headrest should not push your head forward, but at the same time, you should not have to lean back to use it. It should just naturally rest against the back of your head when you're in your driving position. And importantly, and I think this is one that a lot of people forget, adjust the height of the seatbelt in the B column. The seatbelt should rest on your collarbone. It should not press up against the side of your neck. So play around with that. I think that's one that a lot of people forget. And what happens then is the seatbelt is digging into the neck and it's uncomfortable and it's a distraction and you're pulling at the seatbelt trying to readjust it on your shoulder. So change the height of it in the B column so that it sits on your collarbone and it's not digging into your neck. Now, 
what I will say is, firstly, these adjustments are not possible in all vehicles. It depends what you drive. And the ability to obtain this ideal driving position, the one that has the least amount of strain on the body, is dependent on the interior height of your vehicle, the adjustability within the vehicle, and then the driver's stature. Okay, so for example, if you take the two cars that we have here, my own cars, the car that I would drive the most has a bigger interior, which means that I have, I'm only about five foot two, I think five foot three. I have plenty of room to safely get in now the car without banging my knees off the steering wheel. I can get into a good driving position where my hips and knees are level with each other and I have a full view out the windscreen and I have no obstructions and my head is not hitting the roof and I am quite relaxed in that vehicle. The second vehicle we have is a smaller vehicle and when I drive that one, when I adjust the seat into my ideal driving position because it has a smaller interior when I rest at the traffic lights or when I get in and out of the car my thighs and knees are banging off the steering wheel and that's with the steering wheel adjusted so there is a huge range in interior size and not every car is suitable for every person because remember we are very restricted in what we can do so I will, as I touch on later on, it is important to make sure the car fits you and that you fit the car. Okay. If you cannot safely see out of your car windscreen and see everything that you need to see when you're driving in the appropriate driving position, that may be something you have to look at, depending on how much time you spend in the car. If there is no lumbar support in the car seat, so this comes up a lot different makes and models and different specs have differing lumbar support. Some have none, some have some. If your car has no lumbar support or if the recline of the seat, so some makes and models of cars will have bucket style seats. Some of them have a slight recline from the front to the back of the seat, which can make hip angle, the kind of appropriate hip angle really hard to get even when you adjust the seat. So if your car does not have the adjustability to allow you to get that nice line at the hip and the knee and that support in your lower back. Well, you can always add extra supports. So like a foam back support to go in the backrest of the car and a foam seat wedge to help to um, reduce that recline in the seat. So that you can add support. And that's always something I always look at. If the car suits you and suits you in your stature, but it just doesn't have the level of support that you need, you can always add support and it is a much more economical option than changing the car. That's something to look at. But that's the ideal driving position. And that's one way we can reduce the strain and discomfort when we're driving. The other way is like the computer workstations, it's taking frequent breaks, prolonged static postures, no matter how ideal the posture or no matter the level of support that you have too long in the one position is going to cause discomfort. There is no way around that. And unfortunately, you cannot stand up and drive. So your options are you have to leave the vehicle. So for me, like I'm on the road a lot for my job and I could be across the country. So I will always try and plan my journey. If my journey is going to be more than 60 minutes, I will allow an extra few minutes and I will plan 
somewhere to pull over, somewhere safe to pull over and get out of the car. I might go get a coffee. I might need petrol or I might not need anything. I might just get out and walk around for a minute and get back in the car. If you're going to be driving, for me, I always say it's anything over an hour. I do advise that you pull over somewhere safe and exit the vehicle and allow time for this in your journey when you can. Walking around for a short period, it will reduce the elastic acid buildup in the muscles. It will help replenish the oxygen and the nutrients in the muscles and it will give them a chance to relax. So it will reduce the stiffness and fatigue. It will also improve circulation, so it will reduce the risk of swelling and neurological symptoms such as pins and needles in your legs when you're driving. Micro breaks are important from any posture. It is just, and I understand, much more difficult to plan when you're in the car because often you need to be at a certain location by a certain time or there may not be somewhere safe to pull over or you may be running late or run into traffic issues where you can. I always recommend pulling over at least once an hour and getting out and walking around the car, even just for two or three minutes to give your body a break and get a bit of fresh air. It'll help fight driver fatigue as well. That boost in circulation, that boost in oxygen intake can help to risk, reduce the risk of driver fatigue too, especially if you're driving for a really prolonged period during the day. These brakes are so important to reduce the risk of injury and reduce the compression of the discs in the back. And then when it comes to whole body vibration, this is a, a difficult one because this is the only situation really where it exists in the vehicle. You need to maintain the car, make sure the car is frequently serviced to, make, to ensure the suspension is in good nick and is in good condition. If you think that your seat pan is not adequately cushioned, and you'll notice this because if it's not adequately cushioned, you will feel the metal bars underneath your seat in your legs. Okay. Add extra cushioning, add a foam seat cushion onto the seat. Or even if you think your seat is adequately cushioned, but you're going to be going on a long journey, add that extra cushioning just to help reduce the effect of the whole body vibration. Make sure you're taking frequent breaks and also your posture will help with this too. The impact of whole body vibration will be less if you are taking frequent breaks from the car and if you are seated appropriately because you'll have less strain on the joints when you're experiencing these forces. But definitely make sure your car is maintained and serviced when it should be and use extra cushioning on the seat. So that is your prolonged postures and that is your adverse postures in the car. And as I said, there's only so much we can do, but we should always try. One thing I will recommend, if you are not sure if you are seated at the right posture in your car, when you're in the driveway, sit in the car, open the car door, put your foot on the pedal and ask someone, ask you know a friend or family member or whoever's around, whoever you're friendly with or a colleague, whatever, to take a photo of you in the car, side on, in your normal driving position. And you will see then very clearly the hip and the knee angle and alignment, your arms, your shoulders and your head position. So you'll be able to tell quite quickly from that side view if everything is as it should be. And again, if it's a case that it is, you may just need an extra little bit of support in the car. But that's considerations of while we're in the car. Now, what about getting in and out of the car? So one thing I notice, and I, you know, I do it myself all the time and I'm not thinking. As part of a vehicle assessment, I always observe people. I obviously, I take measurements of the car, take measurements of the person. I observe 
the person getting in and out of the car and I observe them while they're driving. And getting in and out of the car, I will honestly tell you 95% of people get in and out of the car one leg at a time, stepping the foot in, bending the body down and then pulling the other foot behind them. Now, that motion, and you know I do it myself, before before I lecture on it, I know I do it myself when I'm not thinking because this is just the way I've always gotten in and out of a car and most people do. But that can negatively impact your balance and stability and that can increase the risk of a back injury. So ideally, getting in and out of the car to reduce the strain on the hips and the back and to reduce your risk of falling, you should enter the car bum first. So basically, turn your butt to the car, feet, two feet facing away, lower yourself onto the seat and then rotate yourself to bring both your feet in. So both of your feet should be planted on the ground as you lower yourself butt first onto the seat. Then rotate yourself and pull your feet in. Hold onto the car if you need to for an extra bit of balance and watch your head. That is how we should be getting in out of the car or getting into the car. When we're getting out of the car, take off your seatbelt, turn in the seat, put both feet on the ground. And when you're ready, with your feet planted, raise yourself up off the seat again, watching your head and hold on to the car if you need to. Move the seat back if you need to, to so that you can actually rotate your body out. But that is the way we should be getting in and out of the car to reduce the risk of injury and to reduce the risk of slipping and falling. But it's not how most of us do it, but it's something to consider if you are having an issue in the car. The other thing is, if you're in the market for a car or if you're choosing a car for use by your employees, you need to look at what are your needs if you're the person the car is for or what are your employees needs if it's for a fleet. So it's important that any driver who's using the car should be able to obtain the appropriate and a safe driving position and feel supported when they're driving. So if you're shopping for a car for personal use, and it's going to be used by multiple drivers within the family, for example. I would bring them all. Make sure, like, have them with you when you're car shopping as much as you can. And make sure it's suitable for each of them before you commit to buying it. Consider the stature of anyone who's going to be driving the car. So, if possible, and this goes for fleets as well, if you have drivers who are particularly tall, I, I would say this is more of an issue with tall drivers. If you have a driver who's particularly tall, I would have them with me when I'm looking or if it's a fleet, have them visit the fleet provider and try the car to make sure that they can adjust the seat to the, to the appropriate position and also have an unobstructed view of the road when they're in that position. If they have to compromise their driving position to improve their line of sight, this is going to cause excessive strain on the upper back, the neck and the shoulders and all users should be able to safely enter and exit the vehicle without banging their knees on the dashboard or on the instrument panel. So consider the stature of the people who are going to be using the car. I always get a flashback when I'm, when I'm reading things about this. I always get a flashback to the Simpsons episode where the really tall guy is in the really small car. Um, it is, of course, an exaggeration, but it's not that far from the truth. I have seen people who are quite tall using cars that are way too small for their stature 
and looking at them getting in and out of the car and looking at their driving position, I can feel the aches in the muscles. And it's just um, it's not appropriate, especially if anyone's in the car for prolonged periods or they're using it every day. Another thing to consider is, do any of the potential drivers have a history of musculoskeletal issues? If the answer is yes, then we really need to make sure that the backrest is adjustable and has additional lumbar support in it. And a foam seat cushion should be used if the seat pan is slightly reclined when it's in the right position. And if it's going to be used for long journeys regularly, we need to make sure that the interior and the seat and everything and the steering wheel can be appropriately adjusted for each user. In the cars, while your seated height and your steering wheel position can be adjusted, the interior dimensions are fixed and so is the windscreen height. So it's really, really important that you choose the right make and model for whoever is potentially going to be driving that car, especially if they're going to be using it for prolonged periods or if they're going to be using it frequently. Doing this will just avoid a lot of hassle later on um, I see it especially in fleets where they have a one make a model approach for all employees, but they have employees with different statures or with different musculoskeletal injuries. And after a couple of months of using the vehicles, they either have an aggravation of a previous history or a previous injury, or they develop issues that they didn't have before. And we realize when you go through the assessment that actually the vehicle cannot be appropriately adjusted. The vehicle doesn't suit the person. So if you are in charge of a fleet or if you're buying a vehicle for yourself or your family, make sure it's suitable for use for everyone that's going to be using it to save you hassle in the long run. So that is how to reduce the risk of discomfort in driving. Frequent brakes, make sure you're adopting an appropriate driving posture and use additional cushioning and make sure your car is maintained to reduce the effect of whole body vibration forces. I have a blog post on this topic that I will put in the show notes where you'll see images of the appropriate driving posture and things you should be looking at if you want to get a visual on it. As always, you can find me online. I'll put all my social media links in the show notes if anyone wants to follow me or get in touch about anything. Um, what I have noticed, I listen to a lot of podcasts, both in my leisure time and for work. And one thing I notice is at the mall, um, the hosts are always asking for people to like and subscribe and share their podcasts. And I realized that 17 episodes in, I've never done that. So if you think this podcast and the information in it is going to be useful for someone that you know, please recommend it to them. Subscribe to it so you get all the episodes as they come up and like it and share it and tell your friends because the aim is to provide this information out there to as many people as I can so that I can help as many people as I can. And sharing that would really help. As I said, if there's a topic you want me to cover, please get in touch and I'll add it to my list. And until then, I will talk to you all next time. Everyone have a great day. <laughs>